Welcome to All Things Terror. Hi, I'm Emily. (laughs) I'm Jennifer. Uh, And this is a research podcast where we bring you terrifying tales from science, history, and true crime, and sometimes our own lives. And sometimes Emily's cat's butt. Oh, God, the things that have come out of animals' butts that I have seen. (laughs) So, I do actually have a tale about something that's frightening me. Earlier this season, I did the murder, or murder, of Rodney Marks. And I can't remember if I said this or not, but that story I found... Excuse me. That story I found when I was doing research for a completely different episode, and I just found that whole story so compelling and this sort of twist and turns and whodunits and the way that if you live in one of those research stations, that sort of claustrophobia and isolation was just so creepy um, that I made it its own episode. So today's episode, though, is finally going back to what I was originally researching when I found that. And I will say that my Google Doc of this, which is where I keep track of my notes, um, is called Darkness at the Edge of the World, which is very dramatic. And I guarantee you Clint will not name our episode that. Oh, Um, I didn't know you were writing, like, high school poetry, Emily. It's... Well, is it or is it a reference to a Bruce Springsteen song, Jennifer? I'm pretty sure that's a high school poem. It's definitely Darkness at the Edge of Town is a Bruce Springsteen song. I think it's about suburbanites doing drugs, which is basically the same thing as high school poetry. So, um, Looks like we're both right. <laughs> Looks like it's Clint's fault again for some reason. <laughs> God damn it, Clint. God damn it. So, last time we went to Antarctica, which is one edge of the world, and today we are going to go to Alaska, which is the other edge of the world and the creepiest place on Earth. Wait, the creepiest place on Earth? I mean, really? That's a big statement. It is a big statement, and it's one I'm willing to stand by. Okay. You... You prove it. You prove it right now. Well, first of all, Alaska has already made an appearance on this podcast in my very first People Who Disappear outside. Michael LeMater, the guy who was doing that weird run up a mountain, that was in Alaska. But I have much more evidence. So, uh, Jennifer, what state do you live in, first of all? Tejas. Tejas. And what does Tejas like to say about itself? Uh, don't mess with Texas. Everything, I don't know, everything's bigger in Texas. Texas yeah. is awesome. Yay, Texas. <laughs> Yay, Texas, Texas, Texas. Pew, pew, pew. Those are guns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like how I needed to explain that to you. Anyway, yeah, Texas is all like, everything's so big. We're the biggest, y'all. Woohoo! Look at our penis. It's huge. So... That is true. We kind of got a penis thing going on, don't we? Yeah, a panhandle is basically a penis for a state. And then, I guess, like, is it Michigan that's shaped like a mitten? The little curve that's the vagina of states? 
okay. <laughs> so now that we've biologically determined which states are which, um, so Texas is 268,581 square miles, which is significant. Alaska is... 663,268 square miles. So it's almost three times as big as Texas, who likes Which to is... talk about how big it is. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Alaska is up there. Who who cares about Alaska, right? Alaska cares about Alaska. Canada, probably, because it's right next to it. Also, I... Th- I think Canada should give Alaska 3,000 square miles because then the square footage of Alaska would start with 666. All right. Uh, Who do we need to talk to in Canada about that? I mean, I know some Canadian Americans. That might be where we start. (laughs) Only one of them knows French, though, so I don't know how far it's going to get us. (laughs) So in all this hugeness... um, Alaska is also very, very far north. Um, It's so far north that the amount of daylight that they get in summer versus winter varies very radically. So the northernmost city, Barrow, gets 67 days of consecutive darkness in the winter. Jeez. How do you think that would make you feel? Like I want to (laughs) cry. Like all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of want to cry all the time anyways, but that's for different reasons. (laughs) But this would be more like... When am, what are you supposed to do when you have that much dark? I feel... I guess I f- you get over it. My first reaction is stop showering, and I don't know why that's my first reaction. <laughs> this is probably why I shouldn't live in Alaska, but I was just like, oh yeah, man, no more bathing or grooming yourself because it's night all the time. Well, <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know what? I think you would find a reason to not shower for pretty much anything, you'd be like, oh, God, there's going to be, like, a solar eclipse today. Guess I'm not showering. Listen, the way I live my life is, do I have a reason to shower, not do I have a reason to not shower? (laughs) I Listen, if I work from home and I'm just sitting on my couch grading papers at the computer all day and my hair still looks fine, why do I need to shower? I don't need to shower. I mean, I'm not judging. I'm just making fun of you. Is it making fun if I double down and make it even worse for myself? <laughs> I guess I guess not. I guess it's not really making fun, is it? I'm uh, joining in in your self-jokes. Yeah. Anyway, so the 67 days of consecutive darkness uh, is really weird. And I think, like I said, it's November right now. Um, we just had daylight savings a couple weeks ago. And that moment in the fall... For most of us, if you're basically above the Mason-Dixon line in the winter and it starts getting dark at like 4.30, it just feels sad and like slow and you want to sleep and eat food. Um, Oh, like two and a half months of that straight, I don't know what I would do. Like, I honestly don't. Um, But Well, you get a fireplace. Yeah. And you have a bunch of friends over, and you just drink and play board games until those two months are over. I can tell you're from the South, because that's also what Louisianans told me to do if there was ever a hurricane. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so in North Carolina, if there's a hurricane, what you do is you get drunk on your porch and scream at the hurricane. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's that's how I know that you grew up in the South and I just live there because I understand that you have a party, but I don't understand you're supposed to yell at the weather. <laughs> um, but if this is creeping you out already, which it is me, um, don't worry because the Alaska Tourism website also told me that Barrow, 67 days of consecutive darkness, gets balanced out by 80 straight days of sunlight in the summer. Oh, so, you know, you can go mad from that. Right, so you literally lose your fucking mind. I think I would have a psychotic break if the sun never went down. You want to go live in Alaska temporarily with me and see what that's like? I actually, when I was finishing my master's degree and I was applying for jobs, I applied for a job in, I think, Fairbanks. And I remember being like, I don't think I'm going to last, but I still want to test it out. So it's funny that you bring that up because I almost, I was very, very, very close to uh, going to school in Alaska. You know what? Instead of... New Mexico. Oh, with you. That's two extremes. I'm glad that you chose New Mexico. I mean, obviously, the world wasn't going to let us not meet. So. Yeah. Also, while you were talking, I've been researching Alaska for a long time. And just now, I had this other memory of going to a concert in New Orleans. It was Laura Veers, Nico Case, and Katie Lang. And I got kind of drunk and I was just there by myself because I didn't know anybody who liked them and because everyone was lame. But um, it was fine because as you might have suspected with Katie Lang on that roster, it was full of lesbians and lesbians are really nice and awesome. And so I made a bunch of friends and this one lesbian was like, you should totally live in Alaska. There's like no women up there. And if you're straight, you could date anyone you wanted. And I was like... <laughs> I will consider that. <laughs> that is, wow, that is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to put that one, uh, I'm going to store that one in my memory bank, you know, as my backup plan if anything ever goes wrong for me. I mean, there was no comment on the quality <laughs> of the men, just that they were available and definitely into it. So, you know, wherever you are in your life, that might be very appealing to you. And I understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, so constant daylight, I think, would absolutely drive me insane. Like, I I think we've talked about how, like, I don't dream in color and I have a lot of trouble sleeping and I talk in my sleep and I... I'm a midnight snacker and, like, all of this. And, like, if it was daylight, I don't think I would ever get tired. Okay, so in New Mexico, you get, like, something ridiculous, like, 350-something days of direct sunlight. Like, it's not sunlight 24 hours for 350-something days. It's, sun it's sunny it every day. It's sunny every day. You rarely get any cloud coverage. And, uh... That can also impact people's moods and can make you, like, feel crazy or grouchy, so. Well, I mean, I could... I, go ahead. I grew up in northern, like, an area of northern Nevada that was very similar to New Mexico, where, like, it was sunny 
that we saw the sun every day. Like, even in the winter, if it was below zero, it would still be sunny. Um, and where I live in Colorado, we have cloudy days and we have days where it's overcast or snowier. Like today it was like foggy all day. And I do not like that blows my mind. Like I am used to seeing the sun every day. I lived in Illinois for a year when I was 18. And I remember in March being like, oh my God, everything feels like I'm going to like so much lighter. And I realized I hadn't seen the sun all winter. And I was just like, I don't understand how this is normal. Like, but 24 (laughs) hours of daylight, I, I would never get to sleep. Yeah. I mean, I guess that could be like some of the most productive time if you're a super creative person and you can just like tap into the, tap into the motherfucking sun king, right? (laughs) Yeah. Until he drives you insane because you haven't slept in three days and now you're (laughs) seeing sounds. I mean, you have you have at least four days before you experience some really bad effects from insomnia, so. That's true. You just have to eat a bunch of, like, melatonin pills. I almost said melanonin. Mel- Wait. <laughs> melatonin is the right one. What is the thing that gives you skin cancer? Melanoma. That's what I- Melanoma. Melanoma is what then, I almost said. Yeah, just eat some melanoma. No big deal. Yum. So- I mean, already I I want to illustrate that this is a very weird place. Um, Also, some of those places around Fairbanks that the sun will be shining 24 hours a day. So it's sunny the whole time. Um, But it will get down to below 50. And it will stay that cold even though the sun is shining. What is the coldest that you think you've been in? I mean, before global warming got to be what it is these days... (laughs) I did live up north and uh, Midwest, so like Michigan, Indiana, Illinois area uh, in the winter. It it gets cold. (laughs) Yeah, and it's humid, which makes it feel really cold. So my brother, he is in Alaska right now, and he'll send me pictures all the time with like, well, Snapchats really. Wait, your brother Um, is really in Alaska right now as we're talking about how creepy Alaska is? Sorry, not Alaska. I can't. Alaska, Canada, same thing. He's in Alberta. My bad. Hmm. Well, I don't know where Alberta is in relation to Alaska. It is. So Alberta is on the west side of Canada. It's very cold. And uh, he's always sending me Snapchats with like snow or something. And it's like negative something degrees outside. Ugh. So it The coldest I think I've ever been outside, it was like 20 below. And where I live, it'll get it doesn't get below zero a lot, but it'll get in like single digits a lot. It's pretty cold. 50 below, I don't even know what that means. Like, your car doesn't work. I don't know. You don't feel temperature anymore. <laughs> no, you just feel knives. Like, your whole body becomes <laughs> knives. Your bones are knives when you go outside. Everything hurts a little bit more in the morning. Yeah. So, as we're so fond of saying, the nature of Alaska wants to kill you. And it's giant. But, Despite all this giantness and this delightful party rave slash depression party, um, Alaska only has 710,000 people that live there. Total. The whole state. So, not uh, not densely populated. No. Like, 700,000 people is smaller than most cities. Like, I actually tried to find cities that had metro areas of 700,000, and it was really hard. 
Like Denver, Wikipedia is like, Denver has 700,000. And I'm like, yeah, maybe Denver City, but all the things around Denver give it several million. So that doesn't count. Tulsa, Oklahoma was the one that I found that was a little over that. So (laughs) Tulsa, Oklahoma spread over almost 666,000 miles. And more than half of these people live in Anchorage, which is the largest city. So the largest city is only about 400,000 people. Gosh, I don't know. I'm, Alaska's starting to sound pretty appealing to me. <laughs> it's basically uninhabited and underdeveloped. Like, it's very desolate and lonely. Like, it is a lot of the smaller towns, and we'll talk about this more, but they don't even have roads. Like, not an exaggeration or like a... Oh, I grew up in a small town. We only had one stoplight. Like, no, they literally don't have roads or running water or any of it. Like, it's very... We only had one walking path. Yeah, it's very... Um, like, people call Alaska the last frontier, and it, it really is. Um, it's very lonely, that place. But, and I'm already getting creeped out, so take that for what it's worth. <laughs> you know, there is this book that... I really love called The Snow Child, and it takes place in Alaska in a earlier time period. So if it's lonely now, I imagine that, you know, when people were first finding their ways into Alaska, it was probably just like nothing. And I think that book actually does a pretty good job at capturing some of that isolation. Yeah, I mean, I think isolation is a big word here. I I am an extrovert and I do work from home occasionally, but I will say one of the best things about my job, which is teaching at the university, um, is that I am around people. Like, I go and I, like, it's intensely social. Like, I teach four classes in one day and I have a lot of colleagues who are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, I get more and more energized. Like I just go and I have to pay attention to like 30 people and I talk to them and they talk to me and I have to like be aware of all that's going on. And like, then I do it three more times. Like it's really, really good for me, even on days when I don't want to do it. And I feel like I don't want to talk to people. It's uh, really good. And like in a previous life, I was a freelance journalist and I worked from home and I would be literally in my apartment for weeks at a time. And I would have days where I would not see anyone except my cat and my boyfriend at the time. And it was so bad and like, just not bad in the sense like, oh, I was tortured the whole time. I wasn't, but it was just like, not good for my brain. Like I am one of those people that if you put me in isolation, I would break myself in half. Like Um, everything about Alaska very much frightens me in that sense. Like the idea of being so far away from everything and being isolated and not a lot of people is very frightening. And just this weird way of like, I don't like necessarily that I have to be around people, but I do or else I start getting crazy. You know how I feel about all of that. Well, you might like it, but wait, because I'm not done. So Alaska is... In addition to having very few people, it's also the state with the highest transitory population. So people are constantly moving in and moving out. Um, Like I found this article that said about only 41% of people who live in Alaska are actually born there. And I don't, I assume that that's a shocking number because 
they pointed it out. But, like, I'm from Nevada, which is also very, 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 like, people move in and out all the time. And, like, I knew a couple of people who were like, oh, yeah, my grandparents uh, settled this town. And everyone's like, I don't give a shit. Like, (laughs) I don't care. Um, You want a fucking cookie? Right. Cool. So nobody moved. Weird. So I I have a weird perspective on that. But um, since 2018, the state's population has actually been going down for from World War Two until this is something that's really sad. But from World War Two until 2018, Alaska's population was growing because people would move there to work in the oil industry, uh, which is good money. But then they would make their money and leave, which is why they have this high transitory population. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. yeah. And at the beginning of the recession, um, the 2008, like mid 2000s one, um, Alaska was like, hey, people still got to drive to work. So the oil industry is doing good. We're doing good. But as the economy has gotten better, that's really reversed. And so in 2018, Alaska had an unemployment rate at 7.3%. Jeez. It's fucking huge. Like the next, yeah. The next highest was New Mexico. Yay! <laughs> of course, of course. Oh, poor sweet New Mexico. They're always at the bottom or the the bottom of the good list or the top of the bad list. <laughs> well, to be fair, like there is barely a functioning economy out there. So yeah, the parallels between New Mexico and Alaska that we could draw are myriad. <laughs> but the next this this is the second highest was 5.9 so from a 7.3 to 5.9 is a huge jump and especially because like i think and you might correct me on this but i think normally states consider unemployment really high if it hits even like 3.5 or 4 percent uh yeah i guess so i guess that's true so 7.3 percent is almost double what we would call high unemployment so we have not a lot of people most of them are unemployed there's no big city you're very isolated it's probably going to get very dark and cold or very bright and cold um it's just kind of a strange grim place and if you don't think that this sounds scary to you um well you can move there and but first let me finish (laughs) i like i'm like and but do these things. Wait, but first. But after these commercial break. Uh, <laughs> we don't have any commercial breaks, but if you would like to hear some very funny commercial breaks, you know, give us five stars and tell all your friends to also give us five stars so that Casper Mattress thinks we're worthy. Anyway. Maybe, maybe one day. That's going to be like the height of our success. <laughs> we get Casper Mattress to let us advertise. I mean, obviously we need to be sponsored by some sort of like toilet paper company because we talk about poop all the time (laughs) oh my god you're right so getting back to the matter at hand um so again maybe you don't find anything inherently creepy about alaska unlike me well since authorities began keeping records in 1988 and this is a direct quote and i'll read you the citation afterwards because i have a little bit I want to say about it, but here's a quote. Quote, since authorities began keeping records in 1988, 60,700 people have been reported missing in Alaska. That's... What? Yeah. That's five people (laughs) reported missing every year per 1,000 residents. Each year, an average of 2,000 
250 people disappear in Alaska, twice the national average. That is insane. End quote. Yeah, isn't that fucking nuts? Do you, maybe it's just the work of one very prolific, <laughs> very smart serial killer. Oh, I will tell you. So that quote that I read is from this article by Robin Bearfield. And as always, um, I will post my sources in the Facebook page. I say as always, I just started doing that for season three because we just started the Facebook page with season three. And you should join because it's really fun and cute. Um, but I before they were in the show notes, but they'll be in the Facebook page from now on. Um, so this article that I found from her is really great. And it does talk about Michael LeMater. Um, I can't remember. I think I found it after doing that episode. But um, she also lives in a very remote part of Alaska. And she just started a podcast um, about Alaskan tri- like true crime and stuff called... Um, Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. And, like, when I say just started, I mean, like, she started in, like, August or September, and it's um, now November. So she has, yeah, she has maybe, like, a dozen episodes, if that. Um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve, I called it. Um, Anyway, I listened to one of them, and it was really good. So, um... I think you guys should all go subscribe and listen and support her. And it's awesome. So good job, Robin Bearfield. Um, <clears throat> so if you can't tell by this lead in, like every season so far, I've done like a episode about people who mysteriously disappeared. And this is not that episode for season three, but it absolutely could be. Alaska is the most epic apex of people disappearing. Um, one source that I found called it an Alaska triangle, like the Bermuda triangle. (laughs) But the reality is that everything about the state, the people, the landscape, the animals all kind of conspire to make this a place where you can disappear purposely or not purposely very easily. And it's very, very, very hard to find out what happened to you. Interesting. Uh, So, oh, go ahead. Do you... Are you going to tell us about some of those factors? Yep, absolutely. Yay. Yay. So, uh, again, quoting our good friend, our BFF, Robin Bearfield, um, she says, quote, people move to Alaska wilderness because they enjoy solitude, Jennifer, and crave the (laughs) subsistence lifestyle or because they wish to escape society, Jennifer. People who fall into the second category are either misfits who don't know how or don't want to blend in with others, or they are criminals seeking to avoid arrest and seeking to disappear into the vast wilderness. You know, it's kind of crazy how she stuck my name in there. I know. It is weird. It's almost like she knew that you would be like, hey, no people. That sounds awesome. And she's like, Jennifer, it doesn't. I disagree. It sounds amazing. <laughs> so um, another article that I want to read this back to back again, just because the people who write about this just sort of set the vibe so well. Um, but this is from an Atlantic article and the author is following um, this sort of true crime twisty thing that I'm going to get into. But um, these troopers have found a skeleton, like just a skeleton in the woods 
And so the author writes, quote, the band may have gotten lost and frozen to death. He could have tumbled down one of several steep embankments nearby and broken his neck. He could have run into the wrong bear. As many as 4,000 of them roam the peninsula, including some of the largest brown bears on the planet. Wait, so who is the right bear? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know there was a wrong and a right bear. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's a good question that I've read this article like three times and never contemplated what the right bear is. (laughs) That's like... Is that just like... In addition to, like, doing strange cleaning adventures, I watched a lot, like, the whole first season of Cold Case Files, because they just put it on Netflix. I did most of that today. And that's, like, you know, they always enjoy these, like, really intense, dramatic lines. Like, the cops told me that the case was dead. Well, so is my daughter. Like, (laughs) and, like, oh, (laughs) Oh my God, that really happened. But... Oh, you ran into the wrong person at the wrong time. And so now you're like, oh, it's the wrong bear at the wrong. (laughs) What is the right bear? I mean, maybe the right bear is like asleep and like, this isn't like you see it and you're like, oh, shit, a bear. And you like start backing away and it kind of raises its head to look at you and then it just goes right back to sleep. Like, is that the right bear? Or is it like this is this ain't no Teddy Roxby or, you know, Winnie the Pooh or. Oh, what's another one? Corduroy. This is like a just a straight up, I'm going to eat your face bear. Yeah. Maybe, are you saying Pooh Bear is the right bear to run into? I mean, he's kind of a cute bear. I don't know if he... Okay, he doesn't so wear pants. He, he doesn't, but also he would probably drive me crazy because he's just like food and also question that sounds like it's philosophy, but it's obviously just like the pondering of an idiot. My... <laughs> my mom is gonna kill me if she finds out that I said this. But my mom, in my entire life, I'm 32. My mom has always hated Halloween, <laughs> and I think I can remember her dressing up maybe like two or three times in my entire life. And the most recent one was this year. And she she's a social worker and her office is like these like loud, sassy middle aged women. It's pretty great. Um, That's my favorite demographic is middle aged women. Um, But I guess they all dressed up and did like one of those safe trick or treats or something. And so my mom, who hates Halloween, wore like an adult one like Pooh Bear onesie like you know those like (laughs) like with the feet on like the head and like her hands were covered in mittens the whole nine yards like I don't know how else to describe it it's like the um Snuggie but with legs and you look like (laughs) Pooh Bear but then because it's my mom she also wore sunglasses the whole time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like so it's like a really cool Winnie the Pooh <laughs> so like she sent my my sister and brother and me this picture and she's like it's a group picture of the whole office and it's really cute but then you realize that she's in the back and my mom's really skinny so she's this really skinny Winnie the Pooh with her hood up indoors wearing sunglasses and I'm like <laughs> what is this gangster poo in the background there <laughs> And she just replied, like, a giggle. And I was like, oh, my God. It was so funny. It was 
truly a precious moment in my life. <laughs> but again, that's also the wrong bear. Like that looked like a Winnie the Pooh that you'd be like, hey, do you want some honey? And he like pulls out a switchblade like you want some of this honey, bitch. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of Winnie the Pooh my mom was for Halloween. <laughs> it was so delightful. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, God, I can't breathe. <laughs> I'll ask her, I'll ask her if I can put Gangster Winnie the Pooh in the Facebook group. I give it... Oh, please say I yes. I give it a 50-50 shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm in tears right now on <laughs> imagining this winning the poo in the background of like all these middle-aged women very proud of their costume and again it a very skinny winnie the Pooh with a hood up inside and sunglasses inside like it's it's so great i love it so much <laughs> We have gotten really far away from Alaska, but I'm glad. Anyway, we've definitely established what the wrong bear is. <laughs> We're still wondering what the right bear is. Did I interrupt that quote? Sorry. Yeah, but it's okay, because <laughs> it, it, that was a very valuable convers conversation. And actually, it occurs to me that if we're going to, like, butcher this poor person's quote so much, I should at least give them a name. Alex Tizon, um, who did a marvelous job, and this is a great article, but, um, ahem. Okay, so the end of that quote is, um, oh god, I've lost my place. Clint, cut this out. Okay, the end of this quote was, so, the skeleton of this man, what might have happened to him, wrong bear, blah, blah, blah. Continuing on, he might have eaten poison berries by accident or by design. The location was ideal for someone who wanted to vanish. And Alaska is famous for attracting dropouts, runaways, and end-of-the-roaders who wish to conduct a life and sometimes a death in isolation. There was, to borrow one trooper's phrase, a great number of, quote, equally plausible alternative influences or inferences end quote end quote hmm. quote within a quote um so it's a very like people who want to live outside of society um either because they just like being alone or they want to do some off like living off the land or they're fucking criminals like this is the people that go to alaska and you and I are millennials, so of course you've probably read or seen the movie, read the book or seen the movie Into the Wild of that Chris McCandless guy who, like, that's in Alaska. He, like, goes and is like, yeah, I'm going to go live in this wilderness and, like, goes and dies in this bus. And people are like, he didn't have wilderness skills. What was he doing? Um, <laughs> that's a fair question. Yeah, that's a very... Uh, Seems like a very typical Alaska story. Uh, in this article, Alex Tizon's article about Alaska and the things that can happen to you when they're there. Um, and <laughs> the wrong bears at the wrong time. Um, when we're talking about people who want to just like disappear, um, uh, one of those people was. Richard Bennett and Richard Bennett is one of those people um, 
is the person that they think this skeleton is that they first find out in the woods. Um, in 2005, at the age of 39, he disappears. Um, his family says that Richard Bennett was the happiest when he was fishing and hunting and being outdoors. And considering that Alaska is basically just outdoors, this is probably good for him. There's this really heartbreaking story from this article that uh, Bennett liked to, he got along with like his nieces and nephews, like the family kids. And he would read them stories from a picture book. And that was the only time that people heard him speak more than a couple words in a row. Like, that's how quiet he was. Um, he worked as a car mechanic and just did, like, you know, jobs. But that was a lot of people in Alaska. And he, in 2005, was having difficulty finding work. Before he disappeared, his neighbors said that they saw him burning trash, which... <laughs> Uh, which is funny, uh, but only because I'm immature and I think it's funny. But um, the trash burning is like a normal way that if you're not in an incorporated city, that's how you would get rid of your trash. And so the neighbor said, well, that's not weird, but he was burning a lot of it, which was really odd. Um, his aunt and her husband, who lived in Alaska part time, like their snowbirds, they stopped by one day to be like, hey, what's up, dude? And they found his trailer completely cleaned out. Like, everything's gone. All of the belongings that were left were put into, rub like, those big Rubbermaid things. And they had people's name on it. Yeah, oh, he no. also had two trucks. And they found the deeds to those vehicles, like, up on a shelf. And he had made the deeds over into his aunt's name. So, this feels really scary and sad and, like, oh, like you said, oh no. So they report him missing and they start a search. And after about four hours walking in the woods, his aunt, her husband, and um, Richard's father find a skeleton without a head. And the state troopers are called, but the family is like, yeah, okay, this is obviously him. Like he's wandered off, he's completed suicide, and animals have gotten the skull or whatever. So the troopers are like, yeah, you're probably right, but we, we need to do DNA to make sure. It's 2005. It's not, you know, 1950. We know what to do. But it's 2005. So that DNA sample, like matching it, could take up to a year and a half. So the family is like, okay, but we want to bury him. And the state troopers like, well, we don't know what to do. So they release the body to the family. The family cremates it, they bury it, they mourn, you know, their loved one. Ten years later, there's a different state trooper looking through this list, and she's like, wait a minute, Richard's Bennett, Richard Bennett's name is on this list, but he's already been found. So she's looking up stuff on the computer, it's 2015, and she's like, wait a minute, the DNA results are in, that skeleton was not Richard Bennett. Oh, snap, plot twist. Plot twist indeed. Uh, get this. So that skeleton was another man whose name was also Richard. What? So, yeah. This Rick, the second Richard, he goes by Rick, Rick Hills. In 2004, he disappears. And this is how he disappears. He's like, yo, I have to go get pick up my paycheck in Anchorage. Solid. Okay. You know, it's sometimes you got to go pick up a paycheck. Anchorage is 150 miles away from his home, 
Which is insane. That's like a two-hour drive. Jeez. What the fuck? Mail your paycheck. But anyway, so he drives there. The company says, like, yeah, he did get that check, but he didn't make it home. What happens is that his family can't find him. He's, like, kind of likes to party like we all do. But his family, his, like, partner is, like, yeah, if he was going to stay out, if something was going to happen, he would call and let us know. And that doesn't happen. So they report him missing, and they eventually find his truck just 15 miles from his home run into a snowbank. His keys are in the ignition. There's $292 in the center console. There are tracks that show him limping on his right foot as he, like, leaves the truck. So the speculation is that, like, maybe he got drowsy or something and crashed the car. He got hurt. And so he walks off trying to find help. Yeah. They they bring in dogs and they find the dogs follow him that he walks to the back of a porch. So they're like, oh, he must have gone up to this house to get help. But nobody was home. And then the dogs pick up his scent again and it goes to an abandoned airstrip. So like a backwoods uh, place for planes to land. But there they, the dogs lose the scent and it's quote as if Rick had been plucked from the snow and lifted straight into the air. Mysterious. It is super mysterious. It took his family 10 years to know that he was dead. And it's only through this Richard Bennett, Rick Hills mix up that they find out that that's his skeleton. They still don't know entirely what happened to Rick Hills. They assume that the car accident is what happened and then maybe he's walking away and he's more injured and that's how he dies. They don't really know. The other Richard, the first Richard, they still have never found out what happened to him. What? Nope. And his family said, you know, of all the belongings that he left behind, we never found his camping stuff and we never found his guns. And so his family legitimately is like, he really might just be living out in the woods somewhere. Well... I mean, I hope he is. I hope the alternative isn't true. I know. And this story is so crazy. So one of the reasons why, even though they didn't have the head and they didn't have the DNA match, they assumed it was this Richard, is that there was a bad break on the right shin. And both of these Richards had had a bad break on the right shin. So when they said, like, oh, his footprint showed that he was limping, they think he got in a car accident and rebroke his leg in the same place. Oh, that's they crazy. Also, it is crazy. They also said that both Richards were, like, similar build, similar height, and they dressed the same. Like, they always wore blue jeans. And so when they found one skeleton, they were like, yeah, this totally matches this guy. But it also matched this other guy. So lots of unusual coincidences between the two. I know. Um, and from this article, there's also this quote that talks about, because at the heart of this mix-up is that the state troopers had this body and they said, yeah, you found it. It's got to be your loved one. We'll double check, but don't worry about it. And then those results were buried for 10 years. And, you know, I said that Alaska is huge. Uh, and in this article, there's this quote where it says, um, quote, between the western westernmost tip of the Aleutian Islands and the eastern edge of the Alaska Panhandle, the state penis. So Alaska is a, a boy state. Um, a span roughly equal to the distance from California to Florida. 
A total of 1,332 law enforcement officers keep the peace. Jeez. That, that's not a lot. Yeah, the quote nothing. The quote goes on. About a third work in and around Anchorage, the only Alaskan community that can pass as a city. A few hundred more patrol towns and villages, mere flecks in the landscape. The rest of Alaska is policed by fewer than 400 troopers. Of those 400 troopers, they are absolutely not dispersed evenly. Earlier this year, 2019, uh, ProPublica, which is this really good journalism company, and the Anchorage Daily News released this series of articles based on an investigation that they did together into the state's law enforcement. And it's really horrifying. What they found out is that one in three Alaska communities has no law enforcement whatsoever. Oh, wow. Yep. So not even a security guard. Do they have a hospital? <laughs> I'm going to go with no. Great. And I'm going to go with no because of the story that I'm going to tell you in a little bit. Um, so a lot of these villages, as you might guess, have the highest sexual assault and domestic violence numbers in the nation. And many of them are also off of a highway or a road system. So when we say there's no cops, that means that if someone breaks into your house and like steals your TV, if you want to make a report, you will have to ATV it hours to a city. And when I say cop, you'll notice a lot of times I'm talking about state troopers. Um, state troopers are the main uh, law enforcement agency in Alaska. And then the, after that is um, uh, ba, 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 village safety police officers, VSPOs. Um, these people receive little to no training. They don't carry a gun. They don't have a police vehicle or backup. They are paid way less than police officers. Um, they're It's basically a program that's just like, we have to get someone out here to try and do something. That's crazy. Yep. And in order to get any kind of law enforcement or uh, as village safety police officers, uh, VS, village safety police officers, I don't know why I can't remember that, VSPOs, um, Alaska, and this is really where the inv investigation started, is that it, Alaska is hiring criminals to be the VSPOs. On purpose? Nope. It's just that they have no one else to hire. Oh, wow. Yep. So, for example, there's one that they pull out, which is the village of Selwick, where the city hired someone who, one, had already been convicted of bootlegging, which is, first of all, hilarious and adorable. And I love that it's called bootlegging. <laughs> Um, like, I can only assume that the article calls it that because he was, like, transporting alcohol, not, like, drug dealing. Like, that's why it's bootlegging. Yeah. It's very cute. Um, less cute is that there were pending charges for a case in which this police officer gave alcohol to a minor, sexually assaulted that minor, and then, in the course of this, she died. Oh, no. Yeah, so he wasn't charged with her death, but he pled guilty to rape. So this feels like a very frightening, like, that's a whole different level of terror right there. Uh, in another city called Stebbins, they hired someone who had spent six years in jail and, quote, been charged with assault, domestic violence, vehicle theft, groping a woman, hindering prosecution, reckless driving, drunken driving, and choking a woman unconscious in an attempted sexual assault, period. Among... Other crimes, period. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds cool, safe. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Another story follows this woman, and 
she's in a town called Kiana, who's literally the only law officer or, or even remotely closest thing to that for a 400 person town. And the story um, who's written, it's the ProPublica story that's um, written by this main investigator. Uh, his name is Adam Hopkins. And it's a very compelling story. I would encourage you guys to read it. But it follows her as she's responding to a home invasion and sexual assault. And because they're so isolated and because there's no law enforcement, this gets to your question of is if there's a hospital, the sexual assault victim has to fly several hours to the nearest city in order to have an examination after her rape. Oh, my God. And ProPublica says that, quote, local sex offenders, end quote, outnumber this one, like, grandma-age woman seven to one. That's insane. It's very frightening. Like, when I say that this is the Wild West and this is the frontier... It really is like it's people that can't not all, but I think a lot of people who can't function in society move up to a place where society is breaking down because there aren't that many people. Speaking of the cops that or the cities that have no cops at all, it says that Alaska communities that have no cops and cannot be reached by road have nearly four times uh, as many sex offenders per capita per capita than the national average. And. So if you're like, well, what do they do? Um, there are examples of towns where um, if there aren't any police officers, officers, they'll use banishment. So they'll just be like, you're being a dick. Get out of our town. Um, there's also stories of people like getting drunk and like being disorderly and they wait until that person passes out and then they'll tie them up or <laughs> what yep that really happened there's another one where there was a, a burglary in the post office and so they just shut the post office down for a week until they could get some people out to investigate it that's insane it's so crazy and these are brand new like the study was concluded in 2018 and the most recent article that i'm looking at is from npr um, and that was in summer 2019. And they're citing this ProPublica um, Anchorage Daily News joint investigation. And part of that investigation is also looking at what the state is doing to remedy this situation, which is, if you just want another twist of terror, basically nothing. Like one state agency that regulates Alaska police has, quote, suspended efforts to solve this. So they're not even doing anything. Um, NPR in that most recent article says that the state has a billion dollar budget deficit, which is billion with a B, um, <laughs> which, yeah, that's huge. Like, listen, I lived in some shitty ass states. I've lived in Louisiana, which is corrupt as fuck. And they had budget deficits and that did not get into the billions. Like that's a problem. Um, but so it's really unlikely that people that they're going to have money to hire people or train them. Um, and also here's another really sad moment and I'm just going to quote it. It says, quote, native leaders in Alaska previously filed a lawsuit to quote, force the state to provide armed train police officers in villages, quote, Hopkins wrote, but that lawsuit was not successful in court that left village and tribal police officers who are paid and trained less to carry the burden End quote. So they've actually sued the state and said, this is your fault for not doing this. And it didn't hold up in court. They're like, actually, no, you take care of it. And this also 
brings in another point that like one of the other things that's kind of sad about this is that a lot of these very small villages that are experiencing this issue are indigenous populations. It's not like 10 white dudes who don't like, uh, you know, the federal government moving up there so they can start their own compound. It's like they are on ancestral lands and the underfunding is making it really dangerous. But <laughs> there's one last little twist from Hopkins that makes it even scarier and sadder um, and very chilling. Uh, the, he says that this problem is not new. Um, a former uh, council member at one of these, quote, showed Hopkins a letter he sent to colleagues 15 years ago that outlined similar problems, end quote. So they just they just keep ignoring it. Yeah, this is like very much, I think, this idea of like, well, we don't have enough people. We don't have, yeah, we don't have enough people to like collect taxes and fund this. This is a huge area. Everyone's spread out. It is, I think, from everything I've read and seen about Alaska, it's very kind of insular and private in a way. Like if you are someone who wants to be a big mover and shaker and be around people a lot, you probably are not going to live in Alaska. Um, and so that kind of conspires with these other systematic issues to make it a very lawless, dark, cold wilderness. I'm still not deterred by Alaska. <laughs> uh, well, the, the Adam Hopkins, the reporter that we love so much, he had this quote. Um, that he told NPR and he said, if you live in a community that can't afford a trained, well-paid police force, would you prefer to have someone with a criminal record or no one at all? It's very much like a, uh, one of, you know, listen, we've talked a lot this episode about how chaotic my life is. And it is that question of like, oh, are you going to dance with the devil, you know, like, and in this case, I guess they kind of decide like, yeah, we are. That is the story of Alaska being the creepiest place on Earth. Still not convinced it's the creepiest place on Earth. Okay, well then, your challenge, either for season three or season four, is to find a creepier place on Earth. I mean... I mean, obviously, our insides, your own body, you're trapped inside of it. It's dying slowly every day. It turns delicious food into poop, and sometimes you get C. diff or cholera, I mean, obviously, the interior of your own skin is definitely creeper than Alaska, but aside from that... Well, I'm just thinking, like, you know, the outside of, like, Blake's Lauderburger uh, or or Whataburger in New Mexico past midnight can be pretty, <laughs> pretty fucking scary place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um a locker room, a boy's high school locker room, even if they're not in there, just the smells that would linger around would also probably make that top five creepiest places. You know what? I think I can find a creepier place for you. All right. That's, yeah, but that's... I, didn't, I didn't know that Alaska was like caught up in so much anarchy. <laughs> I... <laughs> I mean, I didn't either. Like, I knew that it was a place where... A lot of people disappeared and that there were a lot of like, not necessarily criminals, but just people who couldn't really function in society very well and people who sort of wanted to like 
live off the land or, you know, live in a town with 10 people. And that was okay with them. Like I knew that it was a super isolated place, but I, yeah, I just keep seeing these articles about Alaska doesn't have any cops. And I'm like, that's scary. Yeah. I mean, like, not that cops are like, not that every cop is like a cop from Mr. Rogers neighborhood, but the idea of living somewhere where like, let's say someone is like, Hey, I don't like you. And you're like, all right, cool. Well, let's move on with our lives. And they're like, no, I really don't. And you're like, uh, okay, well, I'm going to my house. And then they're like, well, I'm going to light it on fire. And then they do. And there's nothing that you can do or no one you can call. You're just like, well, I guess my house is on fire now. Like, that's scary. Yeah, it would, um, you know, it's even more isolated than the uh, Sarter family situation, right? Yeah, it, oh yeah, it is. And it's also like, that was not even what I was alluding to, but you're right. But it is also a good example, too, of, like, if you ever have a really obnoxious, like, white dude mansplaining you why libertarianism is the right answer, you can just be like, okay, well, Alaska is basically doing a libertarian example. And what happens? Sexual assaults and domestic violence. Like, that's not, that's what happens when there aren't cops. Those numbers go way up. What are, do you know anything about the other, like, crime rates out in Alaska? Um, I did see that there was something that says they have the highest crime rate per capita in the country. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So it's not to say they have the highest crime rate because, like, obviously somewhere like Chicago has a way higher crime rate. But per capita is, like, you divide it down per, like, 100 people or whatever. So, yeah. So it still has the highest crime rate per capita. Shit goes down in Alaska. Shit goes down you'd in Alaska. Ha- you'd have yeah. to find a way to be the most agreeable person. <laughs> that or like the most like badass motherfucker. <laughs> sc- yeah, you'd have to be scary on the outside and soft on the inside, I think. Fair enough. Or and I, I mean, this is the other part that I think feeds into those missing numbers, the numbers of missing people is like, or you have to be the kind of person who keeps so far to yourself that you don't even have to do that. Like you go to Alaska because you want to see the wilderness and the trees and the, you know, the right bears. <laughs> so you just go and backpack for months at a time and people don't know where you are. And that's fine because that's the way you want to be. Like, that's the other half of the coin. Like, it's criminals and it's just people that like trees more than people. <laughs> people who like trees more than people. I feel like that's going to be the title of my next book. <laughs> is it gonna be people who like trees more than people or i like trees more than people uh, i don't know i kind of like people who like trees more than people yeah it's got a nice symmetry yeah, it's to good. it it's good well on that note nice symmetry may you all meet the right bear <laughs> goodbye forever i'll be in hawaii not in alaska <laughs> meet a hawaiian bear is that the right bear i more research needs to be done for science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. 
Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. Emily. Clint, this is a special message for you. Aww. Just for you. Yep. There are people in my house, and if I notice- She's been taken, Clint. You're the only one who can save her. I've been abducted. Please come save me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I have a- there are some guests here learning how to take care of the cats, so there may be some delays in my responses to Emily. Just so you know, that is so you, do, you don't have to cut out ambient laughter. If I hear them getting loud, I'm going to wait to talk. Yeah, we're we're trying to be good for you. Something like that. <laughs> I mean, I said trying. I didn't say succeeding. So, Emily, what's new with you? <clears throat> Not much. I felt, ooh, my voice cracked. I felt You're like going was, through puberty. Yeah, finally, my balls will drop. Um, <laughs> whatever. Puberty for dudes is, like, mildly embarrassing. Puberty for girls is, like, you might be dying. You're bleeding from a place that you've never bled before. And all your emotions are going to go crazy. You're going to feel all kinds of stupid pain. Yeah, I mean... When guys are like, boners are embarrassing. I'm like, yeah, so is bleeding through your pants and uh, having like a literal blood spot on the back of your pants. And also, like, thanks to the patriarchy, you like have to go take a pad and change your pad in the middle of class. And there's nothing more embarrassing somehow than like that, even though oh, somebody yeah, having a period and then not having a period is why you exist, asswipe. And then, of course, like, the teacher is going to be like, why do you need so many bathroom breaks? And I'm going to be like, I don't know, because there's, like, a flood coming out of my vagina. Thanks. You're like, this has only happened three times. I can't tell if it's a lot of blood or not, so I'm changing it every ten minutes. It's emotionally damaging to me. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, our nice little period warm-up. Um... (laughs) I felt like I was going to tell you something, and all week I I was like, I'm not going to text Jennifer about this, because I'll tell her when we're recording. And now, of course, I've completely forgotten it. That is so rude. It's very typical, Emily. I did clean my oven today. (laughs) Uh, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) You should be. Listen, this will surprise no one who knows me, but um, the last time I moved, which was... I guess about a year and a half ago, um, I <clears throat> I was like, oh, wow, my oven looks so great in the house that I was moving out of because, you know, you clean it because you want your deposit back. And I've rented for so long that I'm just so used to, like, everything being a piece of shit and you don't 
I mean, not that I'm destructive, but it's like, why bother taking care of it? It's literally like, if something's broken, your landlord's going to replace it or not going to replace it. But, um, <clears throat> so I cleaned the oven on my way out and I was like, wow, this is really nice. Like, I really wish I had an oven this clean. And I was like, okay, Emily, well, clean your oven more than one time when you live in a house. <laughs> um, so this is the first time I've cleaned the oven. Um, and I was like, wow, good job, me. And, um, you know, you like spray oven cleaner and then you let it soak for like a couple hours and then you wipe it off. And I was like, this isn't as hard as I remember. And, um, I went to go heat up some food a little bit ago and I don't have a microwave. So I turned on the oven and it started like visible smoke was coming out. And I was like, Oh God, I turned the oven off and I was like, I didn't get all the oven cleaner off. (laughs) (laughs) So this experience has told me that maybe I should just stay in my slothful ways and stop trying to improve myself. Or it's just saying that you need more practice and that's fine. I mean, the slothful way sounds a lot more fun. Yes, but my way is more wise. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. Here's the other thing that happened today. Clearly, this was a cleaning day. My vacuum, like, wasn't sucking for, like, a week or two. And so today I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. And so I, like, you know, you look up YouTube videos and they're like, clean out the hose. And I'm like, dude, the hose is fine. It's the bottom part. But I was like, whatever. And so the YouTube videos tell you to, like, stick a broom handle through the hose And it's like going, going, and then it won't. And I'm like, oh my God, I'll be goddamn. There is something jammed in there. And it took me like quite a bit of effort to like shove this stick all the way through. But basically there was like a bezoar in my vacuum tube. Like there was just this giant... It was like if a cat had a hairball, but the cat was the (laughs) size of my house. Like, I do not get grossed out by pets very much. I have three cats and a dog. I volunteer at the Humane Society cleaning every week. Like, I... Things that come off of animals, I'm like, whatever. But this, I was like, oh my god. I don't... Like, I'm gonna have to tell everyone about this immediately or, like, keep it a secret until I die. Because it was horrifying like they i (laughs) it was just pet hair that had become like this solid rock and i was like what the fuck is happening so anyway um after i was like afraid uh then the vacuum worked perfectly so that that was also something that i did today (laughs) well you had way more of an adventure than i did like I got up this morning, I went to work, I had lots of meetings, so I got a fair amount of editing done, but mostly I was just listening to people talk at me or tell me to do things. And then I drove home and I got to try out this new heated hairbrush thing, and I did some cross-stitching. I... Like, I would like to say that this is an unusual day for me, but this feels pretty in line with the way that my (laughs) life works. Like, 
It's currently week 11 or 12, which means that I've been going to classes twice a week, the classes that I teach, twice a week for 12 weeks. And earlier this week, I was like doing something in my office and I was like, I have plenty of time. And then I was like, wait, what time does my class start? And I like had to book it to like, I was still a little bit late, but I was just like, sorry, I kind of forgot when class started. And I was just like, "Uh, whoops. I'm like, I understand I'm an idiot about life, but I promise you I know the things I'm teaching you about. <laughs> also, I'm a little afraid of my student or my students, if my family ever listens to this episode, because I feel like they have this like absent minded professor idea of who I am, and I really don't want to give them ammunition. Like that's I fair. like I like to argue that that's not true, but it's clearly true, and I'm just deeply hiding more evidence from them. Well, as we were discussing earlier, you know, you can't, you can't always do everything right all the time. Just like, I too can also be late. That's true. Today was, it did have a magical ending though, because normally when we podcast, I'll like text Jennifer and be like, hey, can I have 20 more minutes? I need to eat food or something. And, uh, and then like an hour later, we're podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I just have started to assume that if I say 530, you automatically go, okay, I'll be ready at six or whatever. That um, That's actually what I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I factor in 30 minutes for Emily time all the time. I, yeah, but today I was ready on time. I texted you. We were going to, te- we we're going to podcast at 630. I text you at 629. And then you needed extra time. So it was very uh, heartwarming for me. Okay. So uh, there's a good reason why I I have pet sitters because, drum roll please, I'm going to Hawaii Yay. this weekend. You love Hawaii. I do. And Emily. Jennifer. I'm going to ask you two questions. I will give you two answers. One. I, most likely. Am I packed? Um, no. False. I am already packed. <laughs> I Second knew it was question. wrong as it came out of my mouth. How long have I been packed? Easily a week. I have been packed since the weekend, last weekend. <laughs> so, yep, about a week. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you go, everybody. That's the person that I am. Meanwhile, this is who I am. Um, So my boyfriend lives in Maryland and I live in Colorado and uh, we see each other every two weeks. So I will travel to see him and then he will travel to see me. And so I fly out to the East Coast about once a month and he flies out to Colorado about once a month. Um, And he's possibly getting the better deal because Colorado is awesome. But anyway... um, (laughs) So this upcoming, he's flying in tomorrow. This is his weekend. And then um, I have an academic conference next week. So on Tuesday, I'm going to fly back to um, D.C., which is basically where he lives, um, in order to go to this conference. And he, we were talking about the flight or something today or yesterday, and He's like, yeah, wait, do you fly in Wednesday and I fly home on Tuesday? 
And I was like, what? No, I fly over on Tuesday. And he was like, I'm in Colorado until Tuesday. Are we on the same flight? (laughs) And both of us had to be like, oh, my God, we are. We are on the same flight. Like, so not only am I in the mix, but I'm dating someone who's exactly like me. And clearly, neither of us ever have any idea what's going on. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. And I am definitely not packed, nor have I written the presentation that I have to give at the conference. Uh, so, I mean, it'll get done, but probably last minute. I can't, I can't live my life so dangerously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I say this, but, you know, I want to point out, like, basically every vacation I've been on, like, something crazy has happened you know last time i went to hawaii the volcano was erupting and the last time i went to las vegas you know i was there during the shooting right across from it so that's right i don't i don't really get to say anything about living my life dangerously but it's a very different type of dangerous i mean like all of the yeah it is a very different type of dangerous all of mine are like either my own fault or it might as well be my own fault like my uh, The first time I went to Mexico by myself, I uh, got in the airplane and my phone just did this weird thing. Like it was shutting down and I was like, okay, whatever. And it wouldn't turn back on and it was in this like loop. And I was like, well, it's not a big deal. Like I bet as soon as I get to the hotel, it'll be fine. And I had figured out how to get from the airport to my hotel um, using public transit. And I had, had made this really um, like detailed map so I knew exactly how to get there because I was traveling by myself I speak like limited Spanish um and I was thinking to myself like well I have my phone so I have a translator on my phone I have Google I have Uber which is safe you know hailing a taxi cab off the street is not safe in Mexico City um I have Google Maps like everything is fine um but yeah my phone broke it did not work. So that whole week I was using a map and like not being able to translate. I had to rely on my Spanish and like, I didn't have, I couldn't take any pictures cause it was my camera. But like that to me, I was just like, Oh wait, I know how to do this because I've traveled so many times with a smartphone before because I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and also I will say like everyone in my family is like this. Like my brother has lost his wallet so many times that like when we travel with him we're like sam do you have your wallet that he's almost 30 and we're still just like are you okay and like the last time i talked to him we were talking about traveling and he's like yeah i'm going to ecuador in december it's mid-november right now by the way and he's like but i can't find my passport i think i lost it or i might have just given it to mom because she told me to give it to her because i lose things and i was like that sounds like something I would do. He's like, yeah, everyone in my family is like this. So we just don't know. We don't know how to live. I mean, it's just, it's not that you don't know how to live. You just like certain types of challenges to exist in your life. We're, we're, uh, we're outdoor cats, or perhaps you could say we're, <laughs> Indoor outdoor cats, uh, you know, the stability of a home is a little confusing to us. So we need we need some chaos, some cars, some dogs to scratch. We need to poop in the wind. 
And there you go. Emily brings up poop. <laughs> yeah, it's cold here where I live, and I realize that my cats like to go outside to poop because they all want to go outside, and then they immediately want to come back in. And I'm like, why am I not cleaning the cat box as much as normal? And I'm like, I haven't gotten grosser. They've just decided that pooping outside gives them, like, the thrill of a lifetime. So... <laughs> I'm not going to complain about it. <laughs> well, on that note, 